Hey guys, uh, Ryan and I love bringing you this content uh, multiple times per week or per month, and we couldn't do it without Adam Sessions at OneWire. And we really want you to experience the level of customer service that Adam and all of his colleagues at OneWire provide their clients, their uh, business partners, their constituents. So um, if you're not a business owner, tell your boss to uh, uh, upgrade their voice and their business communications by going over to onewire.co and check out all the services uh, that OneWire has to offer. Adam's a big soccer fan. We've converted the whole office into uh, supporters of RSL. And um, we just ask that you, if you have any opportunity whatsoever uh, in your business, your family's business, um, or your, you know, in your circle of, of influence to uh, refer one wire because uh, there is no doubt in my mind that they'll be able to handle all of your uh, voice communications and uh, other business uh, tech needs. So go over again to the number one wire.co and you can see the uh, depth and breadth of options available. So that's it for our proud partner, one wire. Welcome back in, everybody. Bleeding Claret and Cobalt, your host, Trey Fitzgerald, your producer, the man, the myth, the legend, Ryan Hale. We are back. Uh, this is the week in between Tucson and Portland. And Ryan, I was in Tucson for 10 days, which was about three or four days too many. It got to be a little groundhog day. It was nice to have 70-degree weather. It's great to have clean air uh, down there in Arizona. It was good to be around the team. And uh, I think a lot got accomplished. But those last few days, man, I just wanted to get home, sleep in my bed. I know the, a lot of the guys probably felt the same way. So they are completing roughly a nine-day stint back here in Utah. And then they head to Portland uh, this weekend just before the Super Bowl and kick off three games in six days against Norwegian team Viking FC. That will be Sunday afternoon right before the Super Bowl. I think 2 o'clock, 2.30 is the time, uh, Mountain. Then Wednesday night against Minnesota United, uh, MLS team. That, I think, is at 5 o'clock, Mountain. And then uh, they'll wrap up the tournament next Saturday night, the 19th, against the host, Portland Timbers. And that is a 6 p.m. Mountain kickoff, I believe. Go to rsl.com, check out those uh, kick times. And then uh, you can stream those games, which will be nice because we couldn't really stream anything from Tucson because of uh, facility issues down there. But it'll be nice to have the three games from Portland streaming on the KSL app. So anywhere you normally get your RSL on KSL, you can also try the KSL Sports app or kslsports.com, depending on how you want to view. But apps for the phone, .com for your laptop or your desktop, and uh, hard to believe the season is right around the corner. There's a lot to do before the team kicks it off officially in Houston on February 27th. Yeah, there's nothing that gets me more excited than you know those first few messages from preseason. You know, we see yeah. the, see the you know see the guys back in their in their kits and stuff like that. Um, it feels like Tucson was uh, was pretty successful as far as what it was. What I mean, what Pablo was trying to go out there to do. You know, watching from Utah it was not the easiest thing to see, like what was yeah. happening there. And I think that there's 
there's good and bad for that as for, from a fan standpoint. Like, I don't know. As fans, we kind of tend to over analyze things Everything. like we especially when you have a 36 man roster sure. a month before season yeah. starts um that being said when you were watching those games what were some of your biggest takeaways yeah no it was a big group like you said you basically had a melded uh rsl roster with a lot of monarchs a lot of academy kids some of the academy kids that had signed first team deals specifically jeff Dustin last year gavin beavers this year um, were either hurt or in uh, a U.S. youth national team camp. You had guys kind of coming in and out. Um, Bodie Davis was another guy that was getting ready to to leave and then ended up coming down to Tucson. Um, so it was kind of a rotation of bodies, and it was a fair amount of trialists that you didn't know what to expect. And some of those guys look like they're going to stick uh, with the Monarchs this year, which is exciting. And we can go down the position groupings in the roster, but – you had Pablo and his staff. You had Homison and his staff, all evaluating um, everybody every day. And, and they did not do two a days, but they did go with long training sessions every day. There was uh, on on the Saturday that we were there uh, a forty five minute scrimmage against Grand Canyon that was effectively mostly starters. Let's say from the first team. Then you had kind of a mixed group go another forty five against Grand Canyon. And then you had a really young group go, uh, I think, 45, maybe even 60 against the RSL Arizona U-17s. And so you see everybody from Edgar Castillo, uh, who is a trialist that's in at left back, a guy that's played for a lot of clubs in Mexico, a lot of clubs in MLS, uh, was a former uh, teammate of, of Pablo's, I think, in Colorado. Or, sorry, Pablo was the coach. Edgar was playing in Colorado and um, is one of only a handful of people, I think two or three people, to play for both the U.S. and Mexico with a senior national team appearance. But anyway, Edgar's 34, I think, going on 35, and then you've got Axel K, and it is K, just so everybody knows how to pronounce his name. We said Kai a lot of last year, but it's Axel K. And Axel gets better every training session, just like a lot of these young guys. Julio Benitez, Haziel Orozco. Uh, Jude Wellings now is was not with us in Tucson, but is now here training with the team in um, in Harriman. So all these young guys, as they get kind of thrown in the deep end and they get reps, most of them improve every day. Now, the problem with young players, as you probably heard me say, Ryan, is nothing's linear. So it's a little bit of a of a like an EKG or a roller coaster ride. You know, you have your up days and your down days. But the culture building that Pablo and his staff are doing is great. Everybody's bought in. And you hear Pablo in every interview he's doing, whether it's a radio, TV, etc. he talks about the leadership that you're seeing from Justin Miram, from Marcelo Silva, from Demir Krylock, obviously. Um, the older guys, Bobby Wood, uh, who has looked phenomenal throughout camp. His movements are great, and you really see the value of fitness in a preseason for somebody like him especially now that Rubin's going to be a little bit slow to come back because of his uh, uh, ad abductor surgery uh, procedure right before training camp. So exciting times. I think this is a deep team. Obviously, you get Sergio Cordova in, so he's dominated kind of the RSL headlines for the last week or so. Um, everybody was really excited to see him down in Tucson. And while we're talking about Sergio, I want to get in, like, Obviously, we all see the rumors, and then Augsburg announced it, you know, jumped the gun on the announcement a few hours before we were able to. But uh, 
to make it clear to everybody, like any club in MLS cannot make a signing official until you get a lot of layers of paperwork uh, submitted, signed, done, and dusted. And it's frustrating, I think, for us in the media side, for fans as well, that you have to wait. And it is frustrating, but the problem is if we prematurely announce Sergio Cordova or any signing from overseas on RSL letterhead, we can jeopardize their immigration status, which is their work visa status, which means they don't get approved to work in the United States and they can't get paid, which means they can't play for us. So uh, that is why almost always the team is going to be the last one. You have agents, you have doctors, you have leagues, teams, you have federations. So like we have to get a piece of paper from the German um, federation that basically says he is a player in good standing. He doesn't have any complaints against Augsburg or his time in Germany. Uh, there's nothing hanging over his head, if you will. And then that international transfer certificate gets sent to the U.S. Soccer Federation so he can get registered here. Um, there's just a lot going on. And there have been other rumors. Um, certainly Gustavo Cuellar is the most prominent one. Hopefully that is something that, that gets over the line, but I don't know. He, he's yeah. been playing for Al-Halal and uh, playing very well. Um, as we saw over the weekend, there's kind of like a, I won't call it a fake Twitter account, but some guy basically said, hey, I'm going to start an account and create transfers I'd like to see happen. And there's there's a player from Monterey named Maxi Meza who's a really good player. And this Twitter account says that we're playing, we're paying seven and a half million dollars or whatever for this guy to come play for us. And stuff like that is absolutely false. So um, anytime you do see a rumor out there, you gotta you gotta do some digging and and see if uh, it's a legitimate account, if they have a track record of of truth or um, falsehoods. And you know, the Cuellar rumor came from a guy named Fabrizio Romano who I just read a great article in the New York Times a couple of weeks ago. He's basically the Woj, uh, Woj bomb, if you're an NBA fan, of uh, international soccer. And for Fabrizio Romano to say that, hey, Real Salt Lake's going to go do this and this and this, that was pretty cool because we're not generally a club that is on Fabrizio's radar. And that's just an indicator of, I think, what we have to look forward to under the new ownership group here with David Blitzer and Ryan Smith. Yeah, it's. Uh, I remember being in the in the room with the graphics made, sitting on the computers. The you know already in the drafts for Twitter and stuff like that. But we can't do it. We can't. We can't post it. We can't post it. And that's pretty frustrating. My thing with uh with rumors is like there's so many that I see that I want to be true. But I mean, we constantly see these things like uh, we see agents that will try to boost the value of their players by you know leaking quote unquote yep. leaking like the information that some that this team is on board or whatever. Right. And that does, you see that that actually works. Like if they do that enough, like if they can, if they can say, you know, it's like that whole, uh, um, you're talking around the water cooler thing. It's yeah. like, if they get talked up around the water cooler, then people are like, oh yeah, that's the guy. And so right. the, the stock can go up. Um, obviously that's not something that like, if you're, uh, if you're Elliot, you can't be going around like saying, no. Hey, do you got to hear about this guy? What do you think? Should we do this? You know, he's, he, he can't do that and do his job. So, sure. so I guess looking for being a, I don't know, as as someone who deals constantly with rumors, Trey, um, 
<laughs> how do you suggest someone like me who will bite at almost any rumor? Yeah. How do you suggest, what's a, what do you think that I, how should I suggest, I mean, you're probably just gonna say be patient, but how do I, how should I approach like these, you know, rumors that are inevitably going to be happening surrounding the club and the players here? Yeah. And look, it's, it's part of the process. Like you said, it's a big part of the business. Agents and media use each other. Um, MLS is a, is an interesting league because effectively every player, regardless of what team they play for, their contract is with MLS. So that is a unique situation. And we, we see and hear about this a lot during the, you know, the, uh, collective bargaining agreements with players union negotiations and all that kind of stuff. So, um, not necessarily with RSL this past winter window, but with, you know, Kellen Acosta, um, or sorry, is it Kellen Acosta who was like trying to go to Europe and he ended up getting traded? Yeah, from Colorado to, LA. to LAFC, and you know, so you have kind of these frustrations, and sometimes it is the player, but usually it's the agent uh, trying to boost the the value of of a future move or a current move, or maybe even the the very Twitter active parent of that. Yeah, but, well, also a lot of times you have agents that. If, if something's got a certain amount of buzz in the media or on Twitter or whatever, they will try to, like, threaten to kill a deal if they don't get an extra 150 grand at the last minute and stuff like that. Yeah. So, And that's, those are the kinds of things you have to be careful of, and that is why you have Elliot or Kurt or Pablo or anybody in the front office basically not address stuff or have to address things in great generalities which isn't what we want right we're trying to create connection with the fan base we're trying to sell tickets um but you know the last thing we want to do is say oh yeah we're 95 percent of the way there on Quayar or whoever and then have that deal not get done and then people will say oh well elliot just said and you know look we did see some of this with albert i think at the end of the year during the playoffs when Albert misses a couple playoff games because of COVID, when he's going into the playoffs and everybody knows he's out of contract, both sides wanted to be here. And obviously things changed. And maybe it's money, but I've heard, you know, Elliot has gone on the record and said it was more of a soccer decision, not a financial decision. But, you know, look, I think Elliot probably would say, hey, Trey, if I had to do all this over again, I wouldn't have been so optimistic because – Maybe it did just set set up false expectations, or yeah. maybe maybe Albert and his agents see those comments from the club, and then they think that they can push a little harder, whether it's on money, whether it's on guaranteed years, whether it's some other perk or something they want. Like these are the dynamics at play, and I can't sit here and pretend that I'm some master negotiator. Sometimes silence is a very effective yeah. negotiation technique, yeah. and that's frustrating as heck for all of us that live and die on on Twitter every day following our, our clubs that we love. What can we see, like, from the team? Like, sure. are we going to be able to see, are we going to be able to stream any uh, yeah. preseason games? Yeah, so that was the thing. I mean, Tucson was hard because you couldn't stream any of the games uh, because of the f facilities there at Kino and the fields we were on, and we were not participating in the ticketed, gated games inside the stadium and all that stuff. But in the tournament in Portland, February 13th to 19th, all three of RSL's games in six days are going to be streamed. So, um, you know, go on the KSL apps, uh, KSL TV app, KSL Sports app, kslsports.com, and you can watch those games. Uh, go to rsl.com. And I think you're going to like what you see because Pablo's going to have a smaller group there. 
in Portland. There'll still be a couple young guys. I think Axel will be there. Um, hard to say who some of the other young guys will be because I think most of the homegrown players that have been signed in the last two years really project to play a lot of games uh, this year for the Monarchs. Uh, the Monarchs will have 24 games in MLS Next Pro, 12 home, 12 away. I think that season's going to start late March. They're still trying to get all the details together for official announcement. But That's one that I'm like, did I, have I missed something? And then I realized oh, they just haven't announced no, it. No, it's, you know, look, the, the World Cup in Qatar at the end of the year is really kind of screwing a lot of things up in terms of scheduling. It's compressing, compacting a lot of these things. So, um, But like you mentioned, there's such great energy around the club right now. So David Blitzer and Ryan Smith come in January 6th. We sign um, Sergio Cordova on on uh, February what second or third is I think when he was officially announced. Um, you know, there's potential for another couple players to come in. This window for MLS doesn't end I think until May fourth. It's either May first or May fourth, something like that. So you've yeah. got effectively the first couple months of the season to still make additions, and then the secondary window opens up like July. July 1st, maybe. So, um, again, the MLS windows aren't great because of the compacted schedule for the World Cup. Um, but, you know, we mentioned Bobby Wood earlier having a full preseason to gain fitness, to understand the system. He looks great. He's making dynamic runs. Um, he, against Utah Valley on Wednesday, I think he had four goals in 45 minutes, just uh, found his finishing ability. Johnny Menendez, another guy that came in midway through last year, Came in the summer window, had a hard time finding a place in the three-five-two, the four-two-three-one. He's got a defined role. Everybody loves him uh, out on that right wing. So I'm expecting big things from both of those guys, as well as Rubio, Rubin, Demir Krylak, Sergio Cordova, Justin Miram, uh, Everton Luis is re-signed now as well. So that's good. So you've got him and Pablo Ruiz in that midfield if Cuellar ends up getting added. You've got a lot of competition, a lot of options for Pablo. In the back, Aaron Herrera, Andrew Brody, uh, Justin Glad, Marcelo Silva, David Ochoa, that's kind of your starting lineup. Eric Holt right now is your third center back. Zach Farnsworth, who's another young guy that everybody loves, he's still dealing with a little bit of an ankle issue. So, you know, last year was a lost year because of that ankle. So he's not uh, competed yet. But, you know, Dunny, who I trust immensely, says that he is the real deal. Haziel Orozco, another young center back who's probably going to play 20 games for the Monarchs this year. He looks really good as well. Julio Benitez, only 16 years old, playing kind of that um, two-way midfield spot. A lot of poise. And, you know, it's funny because you look at some of these kids, man, and they look so young, but then you watch them on the field, they're so far ahead of where the Chris Wingerts, the Kyle Beckermans, the Tony Beltrans, where these guys said they were when they were those ages. And they just look and they like, these guys have no idea how good they have it from a competition standpoint, from a facility standpoint, from a sports science standpoint. The infrastructure that is around um, to support everybody to the best of their ability is exciting. And, you know, again, I know it's hard right now as we sit here on February 9th or whatever it is, to get excited about the future because we want to worry about 2022 yeah. and what's going to happen this year. And, um, you know, RSL's got a, a little bit of a road-heavy schedule, I think, out of the gates. But um, I think having, 
you know, Pablo being secure, ownership being secure, John Kimball having the interim tag removed from his president title. Um, all these things connote stability, and the organization gets to just do what it does, no longer with any restrictions, any um, anything hanging over the head. And I think what you see on March 5th, and we can get into this on a future podcast, but what you're going to see on March 5th and beyond, because not everything is going to be done for March 5th because of the compacted timeline, supply chain issues, but Blitzer and Smith are really focused on enhancing that fan experience. And, yeah. and we've had many, many meetings with supporters groups about, hey, how do we do more TIFO? Or how do we create some traditions that not only support the team, but, I mean, I think we already feel like we have a pretty good atmosphere. But can you imagine if we had all of our fan clubs coordinated? Oh, Even if it's just for a few key moments of each game, whether it's the marching into the match um, the road to the riot, if you will. Like this is the 10th anniversary of Brandon Steinecker's Believe Anthem. We've got the new jersey coming out here on February 17th. There's just a lot of cool things that are happening, um, not just on the field but off, that will hopefully contribute to a reconnection, a rebirth of that of that fortress there in Sandy is what we're hoping for. I think that's the energy that, that is driving a lot of us fans. Like every time we see something, we're like, oh man, there's more, there's more, there's more. And we know there's so much more coming. Um, when I'm hearing you talk about the the players, Trey, one of the, the, the envious things I have is like you saw them play in those games in Tucson. Mm. And I wanted to ask you about a few specific players. You mentioned a lot of them, and I think that's that's great. Like I'm really curious as to how Bobby Wood's coming. Maybe I'll have you ask you another question about him in just a second. Yeah. But, um, but one thing that I've been really wanting to get someone to verbalize just because – you're, you're watching the games is like from the stands, so you're not like sitting on the bench. Right. Coaches, right. Tell me what you see Demir doing right now that probably wouldn't surprise any of us. But how is he? How is the the mantle of the captain fitting on Demir right now from your perspective as someone who was watching him for yeah. ten days in in Tucson and the in here in Harriman? Well, I would say for Demir, Demir's the same guy. Um, whether he's wearing the captain's armband or not. Like, we didn't need Demir to be the captain last yeah. year. Albert got the captain's armband because Freddie was trying to get him to buy in. Yeah. Demir's the same type of teammate, leader, whether he's got that armband or not. And he is a vocal leader, but even more than that, he's a lead-by-example guy. And so maybe he is maybe a tad more vocal, but, you know, Demir is um, he's obviously a very special human being. He's a phenomenally accomplished player. And, you know, he's somebody that's constantly teaching the young guys. He's also mentoring maybe the older guys and telling them, instead of getting frustrated with this young kid that's kind of in his first pro preseason camp, you need to teach him. You need to set a level of expectation. And so much of, you know, people go to Pablo and say, hey, what do I need to do to do this and, you know, to get more time, to take better care of myself, to increase my fitness? He'll say, do what Demir does. Because Demir's the consummate professional, yeah. and um, it's so refreshing to see. I think I think what you do want to see, I've heard this from the coaches, is just more communication. So Demir can't be the only guy talking out there. And, um, you know, Ochoa is a pretty good communicator in the back. Uh, Justin Glad does communicate, but, you know, in that kind of the engine room in the midfield, yeah, the, those guys aren't talking uh, enough or aren't talking loudly enough. And then, this is the fun part of preseason because if we're in a stadium with 20,000 people, you can't hear 
whether communication is happening or not. But when you're standing on the side of the field or watching, you hear what Aaron Herrera is saying to Justin Glad if if they're in a three-on-two defensive situation. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, so you kind of really get those um, cadences down of who's talking to who. And it's funny, man, because if you have a group of like a bunch of young players, it's quieter than – you know, Justin Miram is talking constantly. Even a guy like Eric Holt, who I still think of as a young guy, but this is his third year with RSL, he's really become more assertive. And, you know, he's a guy that I think gets better every day. So yeah. um, it's just fun to watch. And and I do think we have a very deep team, and maybe you do have 15 or 16 guys that that can start on this team. So Pablo's got options. Yeah. And, um you know, Scott Caldwell's a new guy, very nice guy. Um, so he'll provide some depth there in the midfield. He can play the six or the eight. But, you know, he's a guy that's been in MLS 10 years because he was yeah. a homegrown player for the reps. So um, even a guy like, let's say, Tate Schmidt, who um, was an academy guy, went to Louisville, came back, played for the Monarchs, signed an RSL deal, I think, before the 2020 Mm-hmm. season uh, was on loan to Phoenix Rising FC last year and the whole time at the academy in college and Monarchs he was I think playing as like a number eight um, or maybe even a winger but now he's been put at left back so uh, it's been fun to kind of watch him develop day by day game by game training session by training session at, yeah. at left back so yeah. uh, maybe he's a guy that you see a little more especially now that uh, Edgar Castillo is hurt we hear how well XLK sitting is is fitting in with this group, but what does it look like? I mean, how does he, like, what are you noticing from him when you see him on the field? What are you seeing? He's raw, uh, but he's ath- he's an athletic specimen. Um, his size, his stature, his skill, it definitely belies his age. I did hear him say to Tony Beltran after one of the sessions, though, like, I got to get fitter. I got to start eating better. I got to learn how he's learning how to be a pro you know and um and that's i think one of the things we all kind of forget is these academy kids are they're growing as people right so they're students they're kids and you want them to know what it's like to be a 13 14 15 16 year old but now you're adding these expectations of being a professional athlete um on top of them and the very aspirational nature of those expectations for the guys that want to play in Europe or want to play in MLS. So for Axel, again, it's not linear in any way. It's something that he'll have a great session or he'll have a great five minutes and then he'll have an awful five minutes or an awful day. And so it's just, it's a really extreme roller coaster ride. But, you know, he's another guy that it kind of looks like he grows each day and the rate of growth or the level of growth is exponential but just because he's like a sponge soaking everything up yeah well i think that that's just one of those we the names we hear a lot and like i really haven't seen him i mean if you were paying attention to the monarchs last year i think you may have seen him on the field a few times but yeah i think everybody's interested to see that um maybe we should do this more often but i have one more one more, yeah, play, one no, more player i wanted to talk you about um uh just because he had so much attention last year and he came back with a new look this year. <laughs> Tell me about David Ochoa and what you're seeing from him 
during this these few this couple weeks of preseason. Yeah, I mean, David is David. He looks more mature. He jokes that he's growing a mustache so that people think of him as more mature. But one of the cool things I did with him down in Tucson was connect him with Matt Pence at The Athletic, and he was prominently featured in a piece about how athletes use or avoid social media and how they either use it as fuel or they learn to kind of stay away with from it because of how it affects their psyche. So um, I think David's been great, and he's growing as a keeper. Zach McMath is a really good goalkeeper as well. So those two seem to have a pretty good uh, back and forth, a pretty good banter, and it's just fun to watch um, David kind of, you know, he hasn't he hasn't played the villain card yet, I think, because he knows these games don't matter uh, the way he did in the playoffs. But I'm expecting a big year from David for sure. Yeah. Well, um, maybe we'll make this part of our regular episodes just because so, I, I do like to hear, like, you know, eyewitness view, uh, accounts of, like, what we're seeing on the field or what we can expect. I mean, obviously, it, these are exciting times. Once we get back from Portland, it's only a week until we go to Houston. It's only two weeks. March 5th, home opener against Albert Rustek in Seattle at Rio Tinto Stadium. So the season is right around the corner. Watch those streams from Portland. Let us know at Claret Cobalt on both Twitter and Instagram what you're thinking, what you're seeing, what you're feeling, and what you want to hear on the show. And uh, we'll effort a way to get it out to you. Uh, not only in the short term, but also in the long term. All right. Well, thanks for coming in, Trey. Yeah, I think uh, we'll have some cool uh, shows and guests for you in the run-up to the opener. We will have uh, new RSL president, John Kimball, no longer interim, uh, getting that tag removed by the Blitzer-Smith group. And um, I think John will talk specifically about the emphasis on, on both fan experience in the stadium and the uh, community pieces as we get closer to opening day. And that wraps up another edition of Bleeding Claret and Cobalt. As always, we appreciate you spending your time here with us, the ultimate source for everything Real Salt Lake news information, even a little rumor talk today, thanks to Ryan. So uh, as always, we appreciate you. We appreciate our presenting partner, uh, OneWire.co, and our good friend Adam Sessions right here on Bleeding Claret and Cobalt. Bleeding Claret and Cobalt.